Well, good Sunday morning to you. Welcome to Mile High Magazine. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for being here today and looking forward to our conversation with Dr. James Yeesh, family physician with New West Physicians, which is part of Optum. Good morning. Good morning. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about diabetes and especially, you know, this time of year, you're hearing a lot of people eating sweets. And so for me, I'm always like, ooh, that's blood sugar. But what really is diabetes? And I know we have types one and two. So let's differentiate between those. Yeah, well, diabetes is a disease in which your blood glucose or blood sugar levels are too high. Uh, Glucose is your main source of energy, so it's necessary, and it comes from the food you eat. Uh, A hormone called insulin helps the glucose get into your cells and give them energy. If you have diabetes, your body doesn't make enough insulin, which is type 1 diabetes, or it doesn't use the insulin well that you have and that's type 2 diabetes. Uh, and therefore, the glucose stays in your blood and not enough goes into your cells and your sugars rise. All right, so what is the difference between type 1 and type 2? Type 1 is your pancreas is not making insulin, and it's auto, often an autoimmune process in which uh, it's sometimes post-viral uh, taxes cells that produce insulin in your pancreas so that you no longer make insulin. Uh, then the only way to treat that is with insulin. Type 2 is the more common, and that's the uh, epidemic in America here because uh, uh, people who keep gaining weight and, you know, obesity is a risk factor. Not being physically active is a risk factor and mm-hmm. also genetics, but uh, it's made worse uh, by these uh, uh, environmental things that just people just don't take care of. So type 2 is definitely the one that's on the rise. And you called it an epidemic. How come? Well, the obesity rate in this country has increased dramatically. Um, we have people... If you're sedentary for more than six to eight hours daily or watching TV for three to four hours daily, which is probably 90% of this country, mm-hmm. they're getting overweight. Uh, if the BMI is over 30, that's considered obese. I tell patients sometimes that, you know, that they're in the obese range, and sometimes that will get them, get them off their, uh, their backsides and get, get them working and trying to take better care of themselves. So, unfortunately, most of the country is not doing that, and they, we just get getting bigger and bigger. Well, and it's interesting because I have friends that have told me, you know, who have gone over to Europe and they said Europeans look at us and they, they're they like, yeah, Americans are just big and they're overweight. Why do we have such a problem here in our country when other countries don't seem to have that same issue? Well, I, I don't want to blame it all on fast food, but there is a interesting graph that shows the number of fast food restaurants and the incidence of type 2 diabetes. And it's a, a linear relationship. Um, we kind of invented the fast foods over here, and it's on its it's in Europe and throughout the world. And you may see that they may not be as fortunate, but uh, a lot of places, however, uh, particularly in the Mediterranean region, you mentioned Europe, mm-hmm. they do the Mediterranean diet, which is something that uh, at uh, New West Physicians, part of Optum, we recommend because it is a diet that is considerably healthier. It emphasizes vegetables, whole grains, fruits, lean meats, nuts, and olive oil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's things that uh, are not what we call um, high glycemic, and that keeps uh, their sugars down a little bit, and they're just not as heavy like right. we are in this country, and we're eating our French fries and drinking our large, supersized 
sweet drinks and uh, you know burgers on big buns. Yeah, so. no, you're absolutely right. I mean, we definitely have different eating habits over here. Are there populations that you're finding that are more at risk for diabetes uh, as we talk about all these different factors here in the U.S.? Yeah, studies are pretty clear on that. Um, African Americans, Alaskan Natives, American Indian Native, Asian Americans, Hispanics, Latinos, uh, Native Hawaiians or Pacific Islanders uh, seem to be at a higher risk. However, you know, if you're overweight and you have a parent, brother, or sister with diabetes, that also puts you at risk. If you're not physically active, that puts you at risk. Uh, if you have a history of polycystic ovarian syndrome or if, if you're, uh, as a woman, if you had gestational diabetes, that also puts you at risk. So it's not just uh, singularly certain uh, uh, nationalities uh, necessarily, but it is you know, across the board being overweight, and those groups do have a slightly higher risk. Well, I've heard a lot of that, but I had not heard about the polycystic ovarian syndrome. Why does that cause you to be at a greater risk for diabetes? Uh, it does seem to be the you know, hormonal changes uh, seems to affect your ability to process sugar and how insulin uh, works in your cells. So just uh, the hormonal changes associated with that uh, seem to be a predisposition to diabetes. Interesting. Well, let's talk about ways to prevent it. I know you've talked about getting up off the couch and moving, but what are the best ways if if you do not have type 2 diabetes, but maybe you do realize your BMI is too high, what do you need to do as far as lowering that risk? Well, first of all, um, physical activity and, and improving your diet. Now, the first thing I want to say, though, is too many people think I can exercise my way out of a bad diet, and you simply cannot do that. You know, exercise is important, but you've got to change your lifestyle. But as far as exercise, we recommend at least 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous intensity exercise every week spread over at least three days. Um, another thing you could do is uh, at least two times a week uh, uh, weight training uh, because if you have good muscles, they, uh, you use glucose faster. Okay. Uh, various diets, like I mentioned the Mediterranean diet or the very low uh, or low-carbohydrate diet, which are sometimes hard to adhere to without help. Plant-based diet also is very helpful. Okay. Uh, these are all diets that have been shown to decrease your risk of getting uh, the uh, or developing prediabetes or diabetes uh, and I t- you know I talked about the people you know being sedentary just getting up and you know uh, recommendations for interrupting the sedentary lifestyle uh, include standing from a seated position at least every 30 minutes and engaging in light activity during your breaks for an interval at least three minutes so you know it at New West Physicians, part of Optum, we're really big into just do something. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say. and do something. Make changes. Yeah, I mean, it really does sound like it's the little things, like you said, standing up. If you've got a job where you're seating, sitting all the time, standing up for part of it, uh, maybe trying to get your steps in, walking around the office or walking around the block or something. Do you talk to folks? I know you talked about minutes of exercise. Do you still talk about steps and that folks need to get so many steps in? Yes, and and that's been a wonderful thing with these. Uh, every phone, I think, can come with a watch or a or a you know, a wristband or an ankle bracelet that's telling you when to exercise, when to get up, and when you've reached goals. 
people tend to be pretty goal-oriented, so uh, getting those steps is good. If you're getting, you know, five to 6,000 steps a day, we used to say 10,000 a day, which is awesome. Not always easy to do when you're, uh, you have a sedentary job and you're not getting up and around, but um, they add up. And, you know, just uh, forcing yourself to maybe park at the uh, far end of the parking lot instead of the, the close end. Uh, just simple things that you can incorporate into your lifestyle. If you have kids, do things with your kids, ride bikes, you know, go on walks with them, go on hikes. We got beautiful country here. You know, it's, uh, you know, we get the mountains and, uh, you know, a lot of hiking trails and we need to get our people out doing that. And, and truthfully, Colorado is one of the better in the country about doing that. Our, mm-hmm. our people here tend to be in the top two or three best in the country as far as, uh, uh, you know, staying in shape and, and having an active lifestyle. Well, and you mentioned kids and getting your kids out and getting your kids active. You know, kids are on computer screens and on switches and everything, every other phones and gaming devices and this and that. Is that having an impact on children's health and diabetes as well? Absolutely. We are seeing diabetes occurring earlier and earlier. Typically, we used to say that diabetes didn't occur, or type 2 diabetes in particular, did not occur under 45 but, you know, we're seeing it in 12-year-olds in who are obese. Um, so it, it's happening at an alarming rate. And the pandemic didn't help that either. You know, right. these kids uh, got more and more sedentary instead of uh, less. You know, now you know, they weren't getting up and changing classes. You know, they're yep. sitting in front of computer screens. After we encourage them not to uh, sit in front of computer screens and then the pandemic comes and, you know, we tell them you have to stay in front of the computer screens. And they didn't stop playing video games either and they didn't stop watching TV and they didn't stop being on their phone. So, yeah, it's hard to reverse that. But uh, I think uh, as a concerted effort, I think uh, parents really need to do that. Well, let's talk about reversing prediabetes specifically. You find out from the doctor, hey, your your BMI is this, you're prediabetic. What should you start doing? Well, again, the best thing you could do is start losing weight. And you lose weight by burning those calories, um, by either exercising or limiting how many calories you're taking in. Uh, we talk about uh, extended fast and I don't uh, I, I don't recommend long fast but uh, if you're doing the uh, fasting uh, extended fasting there's a couple different ways to do that at least to get you started and then when you get this jump start you start getting to you getting um, it, it fuels itself but you know so you don't eat you eat within an eight-hour period and don't right. eat for 16 hours or some people do a 5-2 where they eat normally for five days and then two days maybe eat five to 600 calories uh, per meal or per day on those days. And those help start burning that fat. So that's probably the first thing. And, th- and then the, the exercising part, you know, again, we've talked about that quite a bit. Have a regular physical activity. I, I always laugh when patients tell me they're going to start doing like marine boot camp. And it's like, okay, that's not sustainable. You got to have sustainable exercise, whether it be treadmill or going to the gym. And it's good to have a mix, you know, swim sometime, you know, hike with your kids, you know, mix it up so that you're always doing something, but not kind of burning out on one thing. Well, I was going to ask you, you talked about doing that fasting, whether it's intermittent fasting or a couple of days of low calorie. What about some of the eating plans or really diets out there where it's prepackaged food, it's super low calorie to just get the weight off? Is that healthy or is that not because it's not sustainable? If it is well balanced, it is healthy. Um, it, it should not be an excess, excessive and it shouldn't really be painful. We, what we find is that if anything you're doing is painful 
or uncomfortable, you'll do what the, most Americans do. You suffer and reward. You know, you say, oh, when I get to my goal weight, I'm going to have a giant hot fudge sundae like you. You know, that's the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. You, know, you want little rewards. You want little little steps where you're losing weight and starting to, you know, the, the, the weight loss itself uh, fuels uh, further weight loss. So it really has to be about that. Is it sustainable? Is it sustainable? Yes. Right. Because I see so many people go on super low calorie diets, lose a bunch of weight, and they keep it off for a short amount of time and then it comes back. That's correct. That's the standard American suffering reward. Right. Right. You've got to get away from that. You know, it's got to be lifestyle changes. Don't don't think so much about the weight loss. Think about healthy lifestyle and making those changes to be healthier. Well, what are some recommendations that you have for folks as we're going into the holiday time of year and it's parties and it's food at the office? office and it's sweets and it's all of that. What are some tips? Yes, with uh, all the social events going on and people bringing uh, their favorite recipes into work, it is a problem. But uh, what I would say is that the several things you can do, and one is remember the reason for the season is to be together with family and don't make food the total emphasis. If you're invited to dinner, maybe bring something that you know is uh, better for being a diabetic than than some of the other foods that might be there, and stick to a plan. Don't uh, just go crazy and and stuff yourself, which we so often do. And if you do stuff yourself, you know, don't feel bad about it. Just kind of move on and don't uh, you know don't don't hang your head and and say, well, I've already failed. You know, just get back on your regular program right after that. Uh, another good idea is use the plate method where half your plate is uh, vegetables and fruits. Maybe one quarter is grains or whole grain uh, uh, carbohydrates. Tries to stay away from the white carbs, yep. uh, the pastas and the, the white mashed potatoes. And then uh, the protein should probably be the size of the palm of your hand. Um, drink water uh, during the meal so you, you get full, eat a salad maybe, that helps you fill up a little bit. If you're going to do dessert, maybe you can either bring a dessert or have uh, a uh, the dessert that maybe has a little less sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're going to eat leftovers, don't take a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> do a, a reasonable amount. And uh, the other thing, don't skip meal to save up. You know, there's people say, well, I'm not going to eat all day. What happens is you, when you're diabetic, your liver starts releasing the stored sugar and it actually works against you. So that's not the best idea either. So just eat sensibly. And when you get to the meal, eat sensibly. So, well, and it's funny um, because you and I talked in the beginning of this interview kind of about, about how in America we have that all or nothing mentality. We have that starve yourself to lose weight and then you binge on the food that you wanted the whole time. And it sounds like it needs to be a much more balanced, sustainable approach to losing the weight to keep it off. And then if you're diabetic too, to watch your food. Yes. And, you know, too many times we, we we feel bad and we say it's hopeless and we we give up too easily. It's the best thing to do is just to stay with it. Great advice. Dr. James Yeesh, family physician with New West Physicians, part of Optum. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm Melissa Moore. Thank you for hanging with us on this Sunday. Go out, have a blessed day, and remember to be kind to everyone.